the Oxford Centre for Triple Value Healthcare, otherwise known as 3V, scans over 30 journals seeking out important papers on value. To save you time, 3V assesses this research to identify the implications for value-based healthcare and summarises them on our blogs and in our podcasts. In evidence-based medicine, the clinical decision is based on three factors. Firstly, there's the evidence. Secondly, there are the values of the individual, what the, how the individual values either the benefits or the harms, and how they value risk-taking. But the third factor is the unique mix of risk factors and other conditions that the individual patient may have. The evidence is often derived from studies of people who only have one condition. For example, they only have heart failure. But of course, most of the people that a doctor sees don't only have heart failure, they have lots of other problems too. So clinical judgment is required to weigh in the other risk factors and conditions as well as eliciting the person's values. And that's what the most widely quoted definition of evidence-based medicine emphasises. When genomics came along, genomic information was added to the risk factors and conditions that an individual may have. The genomic factor might indicate if the person is more likely to benefit or less likely to benefit from a particular treatment. So in addition to the variables that were around at the time of evidence-based medicine was started, in the 1990s with x-rays and blood tests, but not genomic information, was added to this new range of genomic information. And this led to the term precision medicine. Now, decisions about populations also involve three factors. There's the evidence, there's the values of this population, for example, the value they place on prevention or the value they place on inequity. And then thirdly, there's the unique characteristics of this particular population. So it's very similar when making evidence-based healthcare or evidence-based public health decisions to making evidence-based medicine decisions. The term precision public health has entered general use. And in precision public health, you might be identifying a particular subgroup of the population by a genome. People at particular risk of colon cancer or particular risk of heart disease, for example. But precision policy is a new term, and this may be the first time it's ever been used. Now, the authors are actually not writing about precision in the same way. I mean, this, this is not about genomic policy. What they're saying is, firstly, that all the measures that have been introduced in the past to try to improve the quality or efficiency of health services need to be based on evidence. So lots of things have been introduced. Payment schemes, incentive schemes, but they've never actually been based on strong evidence. The second thing is that they've tended to focus on either primary care or secondary care, 
or in the various types of bureaucracy or inventing new types of bureaucracy, such as fund-holding GPs or, most recently, clinical commissioning groups. So these have been things that have been done with the aim of making healthcare better. And there's been very little evidence before they were introduced and not much evidence of benefit after. What these authors are calling for in the article titled Toward Precision Policy, and they're using cardiovascular disease as the area they know most about as an example, is a different approach. Not only are they calling for better evidence, but they're saying we should focus on disease processes. And they even say it should be in a defined geographic area, which is very radical for the United States. So precision policy, this not quite precision policy in the way that precision medicine is precision medicine or precision public health is precision um, public health, namely it's the genome that makes the difference. But what they're doing is saying there should be a different focus, focusing on disease processes. And that is what we would be calling population health care focusing on people with a symptom like back pain or people with a condition like epilepsy or people with a particular characteristic like having multiple conditions or being in the last year of life. Now, of course, people would say, well, how do you know that this approach will be better than the present approach? Well, the fact of the matter is we don't know how things are working at present. If we ask a simple question, for example, is care for people with type 2 better in Birmingham or Manchester? Is care for people with asthma better in Oxfordshire or Cambridgeshire? We don't know. So by introducing population-based systems delivered through networks, we can at least get some measure at a population level, as distinct from a measure of the hospital's quality and the outcomes for those people who happen to reach hospital we can get some measure of value. And this leader toward precision policy also introduces the concept of value as the aim, namely outcomes related to resources. So, precision policy, is it a term that will survive? I think the authors themselves are a little bit doubtful about this. They only use it once in the text of the article when they go back to talking about precision medicine. But they emphasise we need to look much more closely not at primary care or secondary care, not at individual bureaucracies, but at the third dimension of healthcare, populations of people with a common need. And this, in the highly prestigious and very famous New England Journal of Medicine. It is a very significant leader. If you want to stay informed about important developments in value-based healthcare, you can subscribe by joining our mailing list at www.com. 3vh.org